Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. Time for Spawn Daily. We're up to issue number 37. Apologies. I know this one's coming out late. I actually got on schedule for one day. And then uh, if you don't listen to the New Comics Wednesday episode, you won't, won't be aware of this, but I re accidentally recorded the first New Comics Wednesday episode for the 26th without my microphone plugged in, actually without my soundboard plugged in. didn't have any power. So even though I record with the uh, software on my computer and I have a digital recorder hooked up to my soundboard so that I, I get two, you know, I have a recording and a backup. If my soundboard's not on, obviously neither one of those works. So felt really dumb, lost like an hour and a half at least of time. So I wasn't able to record the Spawn uh, daily episode the day before on Tuesday night, like I planned. So anyway, apologies. This is late. Um, I will get Thursday's Spawn Daily up before the end of the day um, and then record Fridays as well, which will come out Friday morning and uh, and be back on schedule. Also, I want to mention that uh, the interview that Rocky and I did with Jeremy Adams is also uh, up on Thursday. We talked about Flash uh, extensively. Uh, we also touched on his other work. He did the Black Racer backup in uh, Super Man or Action. I think it was Action Comics World of War. Uh, anyway, the Future State book with Superman where he's on War World. Uh, there's a Black Racer backup. Jeremy Adams did that in the Suicide Squad Future State title. There was a Black Adam Future State that Jeremy also did. So we touched on that. We also knew we wouldn't get much out of Jeremy and he didn't disappoint. But we had to ask about the upcoming Flashpoint Beyond with uh, Jeff Johns and Tim Sheridan co-writing along with Jeremy. So, you know, we didn't ask a lot of spoilery stuff, more kind of general stuff, but, you know, to not want to get Jeremy in credit, more power to him. He didn't he didn't reveal much. <laughs> I'll say that very vague answers. But, yeah, it was, you know, we're going to ask. And if you can't answer, you can't answer. We're fine with that. So anyway, let's go ahead and um, dive into Spawn Daily real quick. Before they do that, I, I will mention what we're doing here. Basically, every day of the year of 2022 to celebrate Spawn's 30th anniversary, along with the 30th anniversary of Image Comics, we'll be talking about one issue of the regular series of Spawn. Now, the idea here is that Rocky and I are really interested in the Spawn universe, new content that's coming out, the new series, I should say, because the regular Spawn title is still coming out. But now you have King Spawn, Gunslinger Spawn, and The Scorched. And we want to be able to read those and, and have a lot of context. And the, the issue of Gunslinger Spawn, issue number four, which came out this last Wednesday, is a perfect example because it has the clown and there's a lot of context that I just didn't understand because I haven't read all of the, uh, the regular Spawn series. I don't know the events. I don't know the history, what have you. So... I was curious, you know, I've been wanting to read it for a long time. Obviously, it's a daunting task with over 300 issues. So we started with 12 issues leading up to Christmas, 12 days of Spawnmas, we called it. We enjoyed it. We felt the issues really held up. So we decided to continue it in the new year, starting on January 1st with issue 13. We'll go throughout the year. By the end of the year, we'll be up to issue 330, between 330 and 340 of the regular Spawn titles. And there's 365 days in the year, and we've only missed one day so far. So it gives us a little bit of a cushion to be able to uh, to cover some other things, miss days. I'm sure it'll happen. Life happens, right? That's the reason Rocky's not joining me. He's had some uh, challenges recently with his family. His daughter has had some health issues. So everything's fine. She's on her way to recovery. Um, just things are you know a little chaotic. So hopefully he'll be back soon. 
to uh, to collaborate on these because I I know I really enjoy having them on here to get a, a different perspective. Um, but anyways, let's go ahead and dive into issue 37. I'll uh, go ahead and share my screen with you guys so you can check out the art if you're watching on the YouTube channel. So really cool cover. We see um, some guy with a you know a big big grin on his face. He's got a sharp knife in his hand, and the knife we see spawn reflected. And he's got a huge head of hair. So immediately, the first thing that that I thought of was the uh, the creature or the person or whatever you want to call him that pulled the violator out of all that sewage that separated the violator and spawn when they were fighting in the sewers a couple of issues ago. We're not explicitly told that that's who this is, but it certainly seems to be this is who this is. Uh, next thing I want to point out as we get inside the freak. So we do have a name for that character. His name is the freak. This is an Alan Moore written issue. Uh, Todd McFarlane handles the plot, but Alan Moore doing the scripting. Greg Capullo on pencils, Todd McFarlane on inks. Tom Orzakowski handles the letters. Colors by Steve Olaf, Quinn Suppley with Ole Optics. Special thanks to Kevin Conrad, Julia Simmons, and Chance Wolf. Now, I do want to mention that I like the fact it's broken down like this, writer Alan Moore, plot Todd McFarlane, because as Rocky and I have talked about many, many times, those early issues where we had Alan Moore and Dave Sim and Neil Gaiman and Frank Miller uh, and Grant Morrison, right? It, it was all just story by, and, and then it was the name of these, uh, these writers. And so we never knew, we were never sure just how much, input McFarlane had, you know, in the story that was being told. And we were very curious, you know, we talked about how much he may have put in, in terms of wanting the, the story to go in the direction he, he wants to take spawn ultimately. So uh, I like that. Obviously he's got uh, input here into what Moore is doing and it's acknowledged so that we know, because obviously, like I said, this freak character, we saw a couple of a couple uh, of issues ago, rescue the violators. So interesting that spawns or that uh, McFarlane chose Alan Moore to, to flesh out the story of the freak, who's an interesting character in a lot of ways, uh, but also a little bit two dimensional, but that, that's not, uh, that's not out of the ordinary for what we see in, in the spawn book. So we do see him speaking and, and I'll point out, you can't see it in the, the screen share um, because I've redacted the, the dialogue because I don't want to get in trouble for copyright stuff by you know sharing the whole issue online. Um, but if you if you have an actual copy, the digital copy of the book, physical copy of the book, you'll see that the lettering that Orzakowski uses, the freak's speech pattern, um, it's a very varied looking uh, font. Right. So the letters, you know, they're not all the same size. It's not like you have capitals one size and lowercase letters the other size. Like they vary um, between capital and and lowercase, but they also vary even the capitals amongst themselves and lowercase amongst themselves vary in size. And it it kind of shows to, in my mind uh, that he has kind of a quavery voice, uh, you know, that idea of the freak. And certainly he looks crazy on the front cover. So he very much is a an interesting figure, right? And the other thing that I love about this, and you know, you credit uh, Alan Moore for this, is his 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 voice and the way he's speaking, his like his vocabulary. It's 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 very 
flowery and descriptive in a way, you know, like he, as we see on the, on the first page there, as he's heading into the alley and we see spawn sleeping there in the background and he describes the place where he is, uh, the freak does as these decayed estates are all there is of my despised inheritance. The dismal palace chandeliered with mad dog bottle glass and tiled with a mosaic of syringe and human filth. Like it, it's just that like very descriptive, like he's, it's flowery in a way, you know, and it, it's so interesting, it, like a lot of descriptors and it, and it paints a picture that this is a guy who, although crazy, there's an intelligence, you know, behind him. So we do notice that he's being chased by some ne'er-do-wells. Uh, we're not, it's not exactly clear why uh, he does refer to himself um, when we get almost a full page blaster as the freak. And these guys are, are saying, Hey, look at this freaky looking guy. Um, looks like Halloween came early and the freak is um, it's interesting. His, his reaction He's like trick or treat. Uh, I'm going to teach you a lesson. You shouldn't be approaching strangers after dark. Things are not always what they seem. And then just about uh, as the guys are about to attack spawn wakes up and kind of scares them off. And he's wondering obviously who this, this person is, who this, this freak is. Um, and uh, the, when the these guys that are about to attack these thugs or whoever they are, I mean, they do have an interesting look themselves. They all have sort of spiky hair and uh, almost like chapel-like skulls on their face. It's kind of interesting. It's clearly some part of some gang sort of depraved. They're all carrying knives. It, it, not really explained like, who they are or why they were after the freak specifically, but uh, I guess maybe it's incidental to the story or maybe we'll find out more later on. But when one of them says, what the hell spawns like hell, you, you, what do you know of hell? You know, you know, nothing of hell, but I'll teach you. Um, and the guys uh, obviously scared run off. So um, then spawn makes the acquaintance of this, this freak, this very flowery, um, you know, speaking individual. He talks about, Oh, it's nice to meet a, a fellow knight brothers within the putrid decadent domain of fly blown shadows. So again, more really leaning into this sort of uh, high vocabulary, <laughs> definitely busted out as the thesaurus for this one or, or knowing Alan Moore probably didn't even need to. Um, so Spawn's like, well, wh who, you know, who are you? Why are you dressed like that? Um, you know, what's going on? Why are those guys after you? And the freak is uh, again, not, we're not exactly sure. Um, even later when it's explained kind of his origin, um, it's never really explained how he has come to believe what he believes. It's almost like he has a sixth sense. He's able to, in a lot of ways, play into Al Simmons, like play upon Al's um, sympathies in a lot of ways, because he, he talks about them being, you know, very similar uh, he talks about having their lives taken away from them. Um, and then he's like, does that have any, does that ring any bells for you? You know, what, you know, what's your story and whatnot. And again, it, playing on Al's sympathies and, and you give Al the benefit of the doubt, but based on what happens later, you do wonder why Al trusted him um, just on his word. Because I mean, let's face it. The guy does look like he's crazy and Al's been burned before by trusting the wrong people. But again, I'll chalk it up to all the trauma he's gone through lately and, and wanting to believe this guy because he sees in himself 
he sees himself in the sky, right? Like they've been through uh, a lot of the, the same things. And when, uh, when Al asks his story, we had a great double page spread from Greg Capullo. And the guy talks about the fact that he was a, uh, an under, he was working in undercover operations for the government. Like sound familiar, right? Just like Al Simmons and his, uh, his rather than exactly like Al Simmons, where Al Simmons was the one killed in the, in the case of the freak, he claims that his wife and his son were killed in order to get back at something that the, the freak had done in his uh, capacity of a, an undercover agent. And then um, he, he discovered basically that it was somebody who, who was looking to seek vengeance for what the freak had done to him. His name we're told was Dr. Delirium. And he, after killing the freak's uh, wife and son, they ambushed the freak and experimented on him. And the goal of Dr. Delirium was to turn the freak into a, like a servant, like a mindless uh, automaton. Apparently, he, Delirium had a bunch of these like army of, of people that were subservient to him. But for whatever reason, the drugs and the, um, the shocks and, and everything else that uh, Dr. Delirium did to the freak instead enhanced his senses and his perceptions and his reactions for whatever reason. So when they let him loose, he was actually able to escape and he was reborn. And now he's living amongst the, what he calls the city's uh, splendid ruins and underside. So uh, he says, I was reborn a freak with no desire except to slake the madness raging in my soul upon the burning cognac of revenge. So, Again, we get some get some really flowery speech from uh, from Alan Moore, uh, but again, you can see why. Even though he probably shouldn't have trusted him, and you would think, based on the fact he's been burned before, that Al Simmons wouldn't trust the freak. Just so many similarities with what Spawn had gone through. I think he he wanted to believe, and so he he chose to. So uh, the freak's like, yeah, I, I think that you can help me. You can help me get my revenge. Um, we must storm the fortress of delirium. We've got to go underground. We, you can't attack them from the street level. And so spawn agrees and, and he follows um, the freak who has this like living space all set up in, in the sewers with grandfather clock and mirrors and vanity and all that kind of thing. And um, delirium or uh, uh, the freak rather leads spawn on the way to, uh, to delirium all the while speaking in that, you know, flowery language and whatnot. And once they break into delirium's um, stronghold, it's not long before some of those supposedly mindless uh, guards show up, spawns fully engaged, fully believes everything this guy says, helps him take out these, uh, these guards. And it's not too long before they uh, are standing outside the, the door of, um, of delirium's bedroom and break in and, Delirium, he sure doesn't look like what we saw in that in that flashback. Once uh, the freak is upon him, he looks just like a regular old doctor. And again, you wonder at what point is is Spawn going to realize that hey, maybe everything maybe everything isn't quite as it seems. And even Delirium, as he's talking, um, he, you know, he doesn't sound crazy. He doesn't sound the way that uh, that the freak portrayed him. But maybe because uh, Spawn is distracted by the guards that come into the the broom as the freak is uh, attacking 
doctor delirium, quote unquote, uh, Spawn doesn't really notice. And what eventually ends up happening is the freak gets his revenge by dropping delirium outside the window and he crashes into the, the roof of a police car uh, and, and has his revenge. So he, yeah, he meets a, a pretty bad end and all these guards and police and whatnot that are coming up uh, to the, the penthouse where delirium was and spawn helps the freak fight his way out. And they, they return to the sewers. So uh, on the next page, we do see that uh, we're at the federal health services department and we're told a little more of, of reality of what's actually uh, taking place with the, the truth about the freak who was Mr. Kabulzi. Uh, and, and somebody's talking to his wife and they, they're saying, or his ex-wife, I should say, and they're saying your husband's escaped from the institution again. All the efforts to find him and help him have been unsuccessful, and they want her help in finding him. And he's like, uh, you know, this is not, she says, it's not what I thought my life would be. You know, when I when I left him eight years ago, he just lost it when I when I told him that I didn't want to have kids and he freaked out. And so I had to leave him and I just couldn't take it anymore. And he's, you know, he's running off through, uh, he just lost it. He ran off the reality. And, and one thing I, I neglected to mention is, is throughout the story, the other thing that Moore does is there are these little square boxes uh, that you see throughout the story, usually in the bottom right corner. Um, and whenever you see those square boxes, what, the dialogue that's in those boxes, it's very expositional. And it's just the most mundane, everyday things. Um, but what you realize is they are sort of the life that this Mr. Kabulski, who turns into the freak, really wants. You know, like he says, eat dinner, watch TV, maybe go out for a beer, uh, put away money for the kids' college. Maybe next year we get a new car. You know, he it's the life that he wanted with his wife. And, and then, you know, having having that pulled out from under him, having that take, taken away and maybe the stress of the job, maybe he really was an undercover uh, government agent. I think that's what caused this like break. Right. Um, and so he can't let go of that. And that's what his, that's what his wife is, is telling this, uh, this official at the, the, uh, the federal health um, department that, yeah, I, I, I couldn't take it. I'm not going to help you. Um, you know, it's not that I don't want to, but he, he really screwed up my life. And uh, I, I just, I don't care about him. I, I need to live my own life and I'm not going to get dragged back into his freaky dream world. Right. And that's the fact that she calls it a freaky dream world is a little bit of a, a telltale tale, telltale sign, uh, you know, of, of the moniker that he's given himself. So she does say, hey, why don't you call this doctor? Maybe he, you know, he could be of some help. And, and this is where it really comes home because the, the uh, official there says, we have called this doctor, but no one seems to be answering at Dr. DeLorean's office. We'll try again in the morning. So that was actually Kabulzi's doctor, but his name wasn't Dr. Delirium. His name was Dr. DeLorean. And he, he, he was actually the psychiatrist that was trying to help this guy. Um, but it, it seems like the freak, he, he doesn't want to live in reality. He wants to live in this flowery dream reality that he's created, um, where he can play the victim and, and not 
take responsibility for the reason that his life went sideways. I mean, okay, be angry with your wife and, and, and split up with her. If she doesn't want to have kids and that's what you want. Like, first of all, I wonder that's something you talk about before you marry somebody, dude. So unless she tricked you, um, you should have married somebody that wanted to have the life you wanted. Um, but that's really neither here nor there. So what it does uh, bring home though, is the fact that Al Simmons got, got tricked. Um, he didn't, he didn't do his due diligence and you know, he's now, he's now helped a, a, an innocent man be killed. So obviously that is not ideal. So uh, on the last page, we do see Spawn talking and he's, he's like, Hey, you know, you got your revenge. I'm glad you feel better. And the freak's like, yes, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you helped me. And Spawn says, okay, well, uh, you know, you did what you had to do and, uh, I'm fighting, you know, a few inner demons myself and you've reminded me to, to stay focused. Um, and the freaks like focused. Yeah. I've already got what I think is my next target. And we see him take out the gun that he stole from, from Dr. DeLorean who, who pulled it out of his side table when, uh, when the freak attacked him um, and pulls it out and it's pointed at spawn. So maybe the freak has already chosen spawn as, as his next victim. I guess we'll have to see because spawn says, okay, Good luck. He doesn't notice the gun because he's walking away. He says, good luck. Hope you succeed. Uh, and the freak says, I will, and starts starts laughing. So um, it's not a, a huge story in terms of uh, of moving the, the, the narrative forward. I mean, really, it is the freak. I mean, that's the name of the, the, the issue. It's really what the story is focused on, this new character. We get a lot of detail about the freak. I'm sure he'll show back up seems that spawn is his uh his target will he pull the trigger right then will the next issue start with spawn and the freak fighting i guess it remains to be seen what does it mean that the uh the actions of the freak says that spawn says spawn says the actions of the freak have helped him stay focused or or you know i've have these demons on my own and you've helped me you know realize that i need to stay focused uh, you know, you reminded me I need to stay focused, but does that mean he's going to go back after Jason Wynn? Does it mean he's going to go after Malbolgia? Does it mean he's going to fight the forces of heaven? Like what exactly is the fallout? What exactly are the consequences of the story? Because in this issue itself, we don't get any other narrative. We don't see Terry Fitzgerald show up. We don't see Wanda Blake show up. We don't see Wynn. We don't see Sam and Twitch. We see nobody. This issue is all freak and spawn. And then the, um, federal health agency official and, and, uh, and the freaks ex-wife. That's it. That's all we see. So there's no other storylines that get any forward momentum. It, I won't say it didn't bother me at all, but it, I mean, I'd be nitpicking uh, because I think it is a complete story. Um, but it, it is a departure because for the last few issues, we've, we've always at least gotten a page. We've always at least checked in. Hey, what are Sam and Twitch up to? What's Grandma Blake up to? What's Terry Fitzgerald up to? And it it keeps the momentum for those storylines going. So again, I, you know, don't begrudge it. Obviously, with Alan Moore writing, he's not familiar with those storylines. You know, I'm sure McFarland went to him and said, Hey, I got this character, freak. Here's my plans for him. You want to write the issue? And you know, that's where Moore's going to focus. So uh, again, it's it's not a big deal, especially being just one issue. 
uh, unless more is writing the next one too, then, then I would think, I mean, you, based on the structure, story structure of, of Spawn up to this point, I, I think it would be doing a disservice to the readers if you go more than an issue, uh, you know, more than a single issue without checking in on those other storylines because they have been moving along. We've seen the violator for the last three or four issues. We've seen Jason win. So we don't want to, you don't want to go too long. Now when I'm reading them, you know, day after day after day, you know, if, if, if the comic doesn't touch on those storylines for two or three days, that's no big deal for me because I can remember something I read two or three days ago. But you got to remember these are coming out monthly. So I'm reading them with, with that in the back of my mind. Um, and if you're going three months without touching on a storyline, you're asking a lot for people to, uh, to remember it with having to, without having to go back and, and reread it. So um, that being said, I think it is a, a fun story. Um, I will say that the artwork felt a little different to me. If Even though it's Capullo, uh, let me share my screen again. Even though it's Capullo, I felt like for the first time in a while, the uh, or maybe ever, the, the anatomy is very exaggerated. And I suppose it's supposed to be like that for the freak because he is very you know, thin, but giant hair and whatnot, but it's more, it's more like Capullo style anatomy for these characters than, than we've seen from Capullo before. Like so often I've talked about the fact that uh, Capullo, especially when he first came on spawn, he, you know, his, his anatomy, his figure work was, uh, was more realistic. His whole style really was a little more realistic. So maybe it's the influence of, McFarlane's art on Capullo or, um, or maybe Todd specifically had in the, in the, in the plot or asked Alan Moore to script it in a certain way saying, Hey, I need this book. I need this particular issue to look, you know, a certain way with, with more exaggeration in anatomy or whatnot. We also know that, um, that Alan Moore writes very, very detailed scripts. So, um, is that the case here because McFarlane helped him plot it? Did he still write extremely detailed scripts? I mean, when I say detailed scripts, I mean, we've, we've seen some of them and it'll be like, you know, page one, panel one in the background, there's a chair on the chair. There's a, a red jacket. The red jacket has, you know, white stripes on the shoulders and it has zippered pockets on the side. And in the left pocket is a sticking out as a pack of cigarettes, the pack of cigarettes, is called you know cancer sticks and it's you know red and blue and it has yellow stars on i mean getting down to the minutiae right um so i'd be interested to 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 know if that was i mean i don't think you tell alan moore how to write i mean he's alan moore so i would assume that it was a pretty detailed script but love to to know exactly the details on that so anyway um interesting issue can't say i'm a big fan of the freak um can't say i'm a big fan of al simmons trusting the freak um from the start and when i say i'm not a fan of the freak i mean again he somewhat of a two-dimensional character which like i mentioned before isn't exactly out of the ordinary for uh, for a spawn villain or spawn character um i mean without question the the most nuanced character in spawn is al simmons himself um so i guess he's a title character and that but should be what it is but uh, sure we haven't seen the last of the freak as i said 
and we'll see how it uh, how it plays out. So it was an enjoyable issue, and that lack of exposition does continue. Uh, but again, McFarland didn't script it, so you expect that. But like I've given him credit for the past few issues that he, he really seems to have left that real heavy expositional uh, style behind him. But that's not to say it can't return. And I also mentioned that inside the front cover is another uh, recap uh, paragraph, which we've seen for the last few issues, which does help uh, McFarland not have to do that. So anyway, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Don't forget, if you're listening to us on the audio only, be sure you head over to YouTube to Rocky's channel. It's Comic Boom, Comic Space Boom, exclamation point. Subscribe. Watch these episodes there if you want to check out the art. If you do check us out on YouTube and you're not subscribed to the comic source, be sure you do so so you don't miss any of our other audio-only content that comes out, like the new Comics Wednesdays that I mentioned, like all the uh, fantastic interviews that we do. So just go to your favorite podcasting application on your smart device or your favorite podcasting platform, Google, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, whatever it is, uh, and just search for the comic source and, and subscribe. So we really appreciate the support as always, and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash the comic source. Do a search for the comic source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.